I think maybe the first time you do something unexpected, uh, it adds just like a level of richness to your life that wasn't there before. And so it keeps you coming back of like looking for the next challenge and trying. But I don't know. I feel sort of at least partially hypocritical about it all because I'm terrified of death. And why are you terrified of it? Because it's an unknown. That was Anton Krupichka, and this is the Yogi Triathlete Podcast, episode 65 of the YTP. Welcome to the show. I'm Jess, your host, and this is the place where every week we share stories of people looking, finding, and living their purpose. People who are in the pursuit to find what resonates most deeply within them and live in a way that allows for those pieces to take center stage. Each one of us is on a unique expedition in this life, and it doesn't matter what it looks like on the outside, what we do for work, how we dress, what kind of car we drive. It's about identifying what it is that brings elements of joy into our lives amidst the roles we play on this earth, and then leaning into those elements despite a lack of comfort or the vast unknown. Taking the next logical step is all we ever have to do, whether that's sitting in a traffic jam and choosing calm over frustration, or selecting the next hold while scaling the side of a mountain, as in the case of today's guest. It's all about living in a more conscious way, a way that allows joy to be shown to us and allows us to find our purposeful path. We are all worthy of this. We all have gifts, and it is our job. I believe it's our responsibility to let those shine in their truest essence without a care of what others may think, because really, what others think of you is none of your business right? So it's just best to stay out of it, especially when we are living in alignment with what is true for us. And so how do we do that? How do we even begin to find out what brings us joy, share those gifts and not care what others think? How do we find purpose in life or maybe just in a moment that we're in? It all sounds so daunting, but really it's quite simple. And it falls under one of the most natural states of being curiosity. Adopting, maintaining, and nurturing a sense of wonder about life, the outdoors, our world, our choices, our actions, the thoughts we indulge. And it's through this curiosity that the answers are born and the solutions are drawn in and the unveiling of our truest selves has a chance to breathe. It's a constant return to our beginner's mind, the mindset where we are open to what is coming our way in amazement of wonder. Today's guest, Anton Krupichka, or Tony, as he introduces himself, had a major head start on this concept of wonder as his parents instilled in him the value of curiosity from a young age. Growing up on a 640-acre family farm, seven miles away from a town of 350 people in rural Nebraska, gave Tony many moments of exploration and adventure with the land that he grew up on. His exposure to the mountains and the magnificent landscapes of the West started at the age of four with the annual family camping trip. And this exposure soon turned into a love for the West, and those camping trips were the highlights of every year. His love for exploring the outdoors was the perfect match for his love for running, a love that he found through living on the land and also the annual presidential physical fitness test at school. He realized that not only was he good at running the mile, but he loved the training. And in fifth grade, he decided to run a mile every day in preparation for the annual test. At the age of 12, he ran his first marathon. And as you will hear in our conversation, he was crazy about his preparation. 
adopting his training regimens from secondhand store running pamphlets put out by Runner's World in the 1970s, he found the preparation for competition absolutely fascinating. He was counting calories. He was fasting intermittently. He was putting down 60-mile weeks of running at the age of 12. So some of you may have already made a surface judgment that what he was doing was unhealthy or obsessive or not the way that you would recommend a young boy to prepare for his first marathon. But as Tony explains, under it all was this undeniable love for the art of training and competition. Fueled by his deep appreciation for education, he was learning something new, and he was using himself as the specimen to test his limits. And like some boys play with video games or Legos, Tony was just doing that, but applying it to the physical test of running a marathon. He continued to run through high school and into college, but all his hard work, his massive weeks of mileage, and his wanting to be a really good competitive runner were not returning the times that one would imagine. But that never stopped Tony, because as you'll find in our chat today, running is so much more for him than the finish time in a clock. There's a great joy that enters through the simple act of running for him that is closest to his heart. And don't get me wrong, he is uber competitive, but how Tony lives his passion for the outdoors, curiosity, wonder, pushing his limits, walking into the unknown, is never just for one thing. It's a symphony of effects that keep him going. And when injured, as he has been most of his running career, he shifts gears and he gets curious about what he can do in those times. Tony broke onto the ultra running scene in a major way with his 2006 record-breaking win at the Leadville 100 trail race, which also happened to be about the time when the sport of ultra running was blowing up. And so Tony went from an unknown to very well-known. Some may even say he was the face of ultra running. He became known for his long hair and minimalistic approach, but as you will hear in our conversation, there is incredible depth to Tony. He is strong in his perspective, real in his tone, and a super interesting compilation of high-level intellect, open adventurous spirit, and a beginner's mind. We caught up with Tony during our recent trip to Boulder, and we recorded this episode outside at our friend's home. So you will hear the breezes and the birds in the background, which just brings it all back for me. It was such a beautiful night. All right. So without another moment more, let's dive into our chat with ultra runner, climber, cyclist, explorer, and student of life, Tony Krupichka. All right, cool. Well, let's dive in. So we've got a little bit of time here. I want to dive in and you just, there's so many areas I think to go with you. And especially, you know, we got to know about you, um, you know, surface wise from, sure. you know, back like when you showed up at the Leadville in 2006. And, oh, wow. Okay. But even since then, I mean, especially in these last few years, correct me if I'm wrong, but now you, you're climbing, you're cycling, you're, you're still doing a little bit of running, but you're also <laughs> kind of like, body, bless me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you're also kind of like dealing with some things with your body. So let's take it way back um, where you grew up. Okay. Yeah, I grew up in Nebraska on a, my family's farm, which was seven miles outside of a town of 350 people. And the nearest, like, anything American was an hour away. <laughs> you know, like a McDonald's or like a Walmart or something so like that. So you just, you kind of grew up in a... A real grocery store. Like yeah. you had a, you had quiet time. 
Like, oh, yeah. As a part of just your yeah, life. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we have 640 acres, and <sighs> um, but, you know, land is, there's a lot more of it in Nebraska than there is where people want to live. Um, <laughs> so what was life like that growing up? Uh, it was great. I mean, it was, I mean, it was great in some ways and uh, very limited in other ways uh, because it's rural America and the public school systems are just kind of like falling apart because of lack of humans basically. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, my, my graduating class had 12 people in public school. And, but that's just the way it is. It's just the rural areas of the country are being depopulated basically through corporate agriculture and yeah, the way the economy is now. But um, so I don't know. So that was sort of, you had to work in order to have a kind of worldly viewpoint but at the same time the way that my family raised myself and my siblings was very you know with a very close relationship to the land and trying to instill certain values and principles and uh yeah so it was good i'm very grateful for the way i grew up i guess what kind of values and principles stay with you uh importance of education and curiosity and questioning things and being curious about the world and being good (laughs) Uh, we can go on for days about defining what good is but you know being a decent human and um but essentially i think being someone who is interested in the world you know and obviously that takes a certain amount of luxury like financial stability so that leads to a whole other set of principles like my family my my dad was a program director at a nonprofit. My mom was a high school teacher. Like we're not even close to like having a lot of money, but my, we're just super frugal. And you know, I mean, I went to all, me and both my sisters went to private liberal arts schools. And that's just cause my parents were just psycho about saving money. And we all got scholarships and stuff too, but yeah. Um, so those, yeah. those are the kind of values, I guess, that I'm talking well, about. Well, and I think that this idea of, um, yeah, I mean, if you want to travel the world, if you want to go to Thailand and Asia and all these different things, and yeah, I mean, there's a there's a price tag that comes along with that, but I think you can still have a curiosity in life and have a lot of discovery oh, yeah. on a very small budget. And um, No, I mean, just the world at your doorstep is complex and very, I mean, there's you could spend your whole life in one place and not get and not, you know, exhaust the, the possibilities for learning, you know what I mean? And I think um, curiosity has been kind of suffocated a little bit with the modern world and how we, you know, got to get our nine to five jobs and go to work and that maybe a lot of people forget about that, that right out your doorstep, you have endless amounts of things to discover. Well, I mean, earning money is a necessity though too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, a certain amount. Yeah, you so, gotta live in the I world. I mean, I'm not going to decry the nine to five job. Like, it's, I don't think, I think those people are just trying to, like, get through the day, you know? They're trying to have a life. And that's something I completely respect. But, you know, there's just, there's just an overall attitude you can take in your life. And it can be one of intellectual curiosity or just, like, submitting to the grind, I guess. But. Where did you go to school? You got a scholarship. Sorry, academic. I a, yeah, I was a. I went to Colorado College in Colorado Springs, um, and I had a science scholarship there. So, yeah, so it was full tuition. Uh, I'd pay room and board, but yeah. And was that your first taste of Colorado life? 
No. So my family, every summer, and this is part of like all the things we're talking about, every summer we would take like a week or two week car camping road trip out west and visit the national parks. You know, um, I have two sisters. Uh, and that was my first exposure to the mountains when I was like four or five years old. I can remember that going to like the Black Hills, then Rocky Mountain, and you know, I'm just everywhere from the Northern Canadian Rockies down to the, you know, Pacific Coast, Desert Southwest, all of it. Um, so yeah, I became, and that was always, maybe because it was like, those were for vacation trips. It was just like, oh, that was like the highlight of the year. And so the American West always had a huge allure mm -hmm. for me. And I was, I very deliberately like went to school out West in Colorado as a result. Mm -hmm. I applied to all kinds of schools in the Midwest too, but I wanted to be in Colorado, yeah. Where does running come in? Uh, fifth grade. Fifth grade? <laughs> yeah, sixth grade, something like that. Uh, just uh, had the presidential physical fitness test, you know. Oh, man, in, uh, I remember that. PE class and had to do a one-mile time trial once a year, basically. And I always won those. And But I, in my fifth grade year, I just decided I was going to run a mile a day in the month prior to it as preparation for it. I don't know. Just that was like, your training. Yeah, yeah, it was my training. I don't know. I was just like, <laughs> because I was already kind of good at it, I was just like, oh, I was kind of psyched about it. Yeah. So, um, and I just literally never stopped, you know? That was in the spring, and I have training log entries every day since April 12th, 1995, so. Wow. Yeah, like within two months of like starting to run every day, um, I was keeping a training log. Wait, so. <laughs> do you have a total of like everything that you have? like? Do you have a yeah. do you have a mile in mind of how many miles you uh, run? Since, well, I like... mean, miles have become a lot less important to me in the last. Oh, time. I, I would say five to ten years. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> but for sure, up until probably like twenty eleven or so, yeah. I definitely like could have told you off the top of my head like what my lifetime total wow. was for mileage. Now I don't know, seventy k plus. I'm yeah, there. but um, yeah. That's a lot of. That's a lot. On diligent your body. recording. Yeah, and oh. diligent recording. Well, I mean, I was. Where's I the spreadsheet know. to add all that? So. Yeah, I mean, part of it is like. So at, at Colorado College, I was I got a physics degree. Um, that was the science that I chose to do, and it was sort of just because I was stubborn. I wasn't good at it, um, <laughs> but uh, but it, you know that kind of speaks to, at least half of my brain is very kind of like enjoys quantifying things and tracking things and analyzing things. Um, but I also have a philosophy degree from CC, so. I want to know why, when you found out you weren't good at physics and why you decided to go after it, because. Yeah, I found out uh, first semester freshman year when I was taking calculus too, and it's just, it was tough. <laughs> um, and, but I just stuck it out because I was, it's just, I don't know if it's still a part of my personality, but it definitely was back then. You know, it's the same reason why I ran a marathon when I was 12. You know, it's just, I just wanted to like, it was just a hard thing that I was not going to give up on, you know? And it was definitely tough for me, but you know, eventually it became easier after a couple of years. And, uh, I, yeah. I became easier. <laughs> Sorry? It became easier physics. Yeah, you just kind of <laughs> learn how to do college basically, you know, and you, yeah. and, and you take a lot of math classes and Learned to become a little better at math. <laughs> All right, well, tell us about the marathon at, at, at 12, 12 because yeah. I, I read an article where you said you're like, and this is a word that you used, that you were like psycho about this marathon. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I don't know about this marathon, but just about running in general. Uh, so this was July 96. And like I said, I'd already, I've been keeping a train log since April 95. And um, I don't know. It was just. 
I was I picked up all this like secondhand running literature from like used bookstores and Goodwills and stuff. It's where my family shopped, and um, it was all from like the 1970s, which there was just a very different mentality back then towards running. It was all kind of fresh and new and people were just trying all sorts of different things who were the resources was it like jack uh no no yeah. jack daniels i don't know if you didn't publish anything yet at that point maybe i mean he was certainly coaching yeah. man but um no it was uh so runner's world actually put out this uh, like series of pamphlets and just like on one was on like yoga for runners strength training for runners diet for back runners. in the 70s yeah wow. yeah and the rad little books yeah yeah and but i would i was i was like fasting at age 12 because like this was one of the things <laughs> that i like like trying like intermittent fast and stuff and doing yoga and but anyways high miles was just like the yeah. thing you know and i uh i got a second edition hardcover copy of Arthur Lydiard's Running to the Top and so I was doing 20 mile weekend long runs because that's what you do if you're a serious runner and 100 mile weeks were like the thing you know and not not at 12 at 13 that was the case but 12 I was still just I was I did like 60 mile weeks in preparation for that first marathon um <laughs> but uh you were ready for the marathon yeah I think I ran 20 miles two or three times beforehand oh my God. Yeah. what marathon was it <laughs> <laughs> the Lake Okaboji. Uh, oh, that one. Oh, that uh, one. North, <laughs> Northwestern Iowa. I think there were like 65 finishers, something like that. Yeah, like, How did you finish? Do you remember your time? Yeah, it was 3.50. Oh, yeah. my God. I don't know where I was in the field, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. One my age group. So I love this uh, this fasting thing because it's kind of, at least in like the... the the purview that we're in now like, yeah like it just, it's kind of like back like mm, this idea of fasting and i think it just depends on what circles you hmm. frequent you know mm. i think there's always this kind of stuff going on comes up and it's yeah and flows people are and, always experimenting with you know like vinegar elixirs and like yeah. you know it's just cleanses and that totally. kind of thing and that it's just I don't know. There's only so much stuff in the world. You, every, you new, each new generation has to try it. Yeah. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it's an experiment of one. Like, yeah, try it on exactly. And, and like, that was, and that was very much, <laughs> and that's very much sort of like why I've never done well with coaches and everything. Um, well, because I've, well, not so much the last ten years, but from the beginning, like I read everything about everything, had all the training books, and so I just had a very strong opinion about it all. And also just like, oh, but you need to like try it yourself to see what happens, you know. Yeah. And um, I mean, that was very much Lydiard's like whole trope too. Uh, so yeah, I don't know what we were talking about. But. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about fasting. Did oh, you continue fasting. to use that at all oh, in your God, training? No. no, and this is what when you say like. <laughs> I said somewhere else that I was psycho back then. It's like, no, I was totally nuts. Like, when I was counting calories and like recording body weight, and like, I didn't, it wasn't even like, I was like a 12 year old boy. Like, I had, it wasn't like disordered or anything. It was just like, I was just like nuts about You were the just whole in thing. it. It was yeah, like was how kids are like in like, it with matchboxes or, yeah, no, that's you know, exactly like, it. Yeah. Like, I didn't have like any kind of like body, I mean, body image issues at all or anything. It was just like, oh, I just want to like, just really into it. Like, it was your gig. Better. Did you have yeah. any friends that were into running? No, God, no. There's 350 <laughs> people in this town. Um, no, by how I got to high school, uh, there was one other guy, uh, we ran cross country together. And there was like two years in high school where I had like a training partner a little bit in the summer and stuff. But yeah. So then you get to college and you're majoring and you eventually major in physics. Are you still running at this point? Yeah, I, I ran competitively, you know, NCAA Division three in college, cross country and track. Um, oh, nice. I was horrible, but like I was on the team. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you were like, that doesn't seem to sway you. 
Like if you're not oh, being a shooting good, runner, yeah. Like no, 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 <laughs> no, no. But seriously, like that's always been the case. That's like, a- <laughs> I mean, I was terrible in high school. Like, there's so many people. Like, I ran so much and you know put in so much work. And high school and college, it was always just for naught. You know, I had no like quality results of any kind. You know, what kept you going? I just loved running. You loved running. Yeah, yeah. it was. I mean, I had the bug super early and. Did you yeah. ever get caught up in the results? Like, what do, you, what do you mean by caught up? Caught up in like, oh man, what am I doing? Am I oh, even of that course, good? no, I was, I was always frustrated. Yeah, yeah, um, but not in like, but at the end of the day, like running was still a huge part of how you know it was like sort of the foundation of my identity, you know, mm-hmm. and what I did to like feel good about myself. So it, it didn't matter like how fast I ran you know like running could still be that you know what I mean like it doesn't like if you run a mile in 455 instead of 445 running still feels good on right. certain days you know right I, I know. mean and for somebody that could but be I'm hyper competitive but like yeah I don't know it's running well, running has intrinsic things that that are separate from your results I guess I think that's a really important statement because for some people it could be a 12 minute mile or a 10 minute mile like it doesn't matter and and the one thing that I've learned from being a shitty runner myself (laughs) (laughs) is that nobody it's not like people don't like me it's not I mean I'm not saying I'm a shitty runner but it's not like I've never felt people judge me or the running community judge me because maybe I did a five-hour marathon or like my PR is in the past or maybe that I'm not as competitive as I used to be and the thing in and I think for some people they're like scared to like it's an intimidating thing to jump into the running world or the triathlon Mm -hmm. world but the fact is like once you get into the community and I just got into the uh, like my taste of the ultra community okay. with the race I did in April up in Mendocino. It was just, it, nobody cared. Everyone was just like, you crushed it. Like I was out yeah. there for over eight hours for a 50 K and people were like, that's nobody amazing. Cared. Like, was, nobody cared. Like, nobody no. cares. Like we're, we're definitely the hardest on ourselves, but <laughs> if sure. you, I guess what I'm saying is like, if you're listening and you love running, but you know, you feel like you should be faster or you're not happy with it. Like keep, if you love it, keep doing it. Like, cause there's something yeah. there for you. No, I think, especially when you get into the ultra distance stuff uh i've i've always found those challenges to be super humbling you know like say you win a 100 mile race you're still just completely crushed when you cross the finish line you know so it's hard to like think of yourself as some superman you know and that's a common experience across the spectrum of abilities and times you know what i mean like the last place person and the first place person are both really being challenged by the event and the whole, you know, experience preparing for it and everything. So, yeah, I think that grounds people a little bit, maybe. Not to say, I mean, I kind of hate when people are like, oh, if everyone was a runner, the world would be a better place. Like, nah, there's plenty of assholes in running, too. You know, like, oh, yeah. You know, running doesn't make you a better person. It right. just no. doesn't. No. But um, I think that, yeah, it's. It's a good place to work some you won't, shit you won't, out. Yeah, you won't stick at, you won't stick around in the sport too long if you have a lot of ego and arrogance around you. Because you get a really good, especially I think when you get into the longer distances, because yeah, you get you just a really get good look at yourself. Lot, yeah, yeah. yeah you, I guess true. if you're willing to look at yourself, if you're still going to keep the blinders on, I mean, there's no sustainability right. in that. But I mean, I got a really good look at myself out there because yeah. you know. But but the thing that really captured me with the ultra and 
and you know before that it was road marathon this is my first off-road anything okay so road marathons and ironmans and things like that and especially ironman like so much hype and you get your bags and you got right, your right. you got your bike and you've got all this stuff and just to kind of show up with my sneakers and I have my little pack yeah. on and like I just had this cr kind of crazy outfit on because I needed some layers but I w didn't really have any correct ultra gear you know and nobody yeah. cared yeah, and yeah, yeah. and um <laughs> but for me it was like it was being out there and it was just me yeah in this environment where I just I felt so small in comparison to just the the Fastness. awesomeness yeah. around me and the power around me and just being able to pull from that also humbling of being in such mm. greatness of, of being in nature and, and again it was my first experience so ignorance is, is yeah because Mendocino you're in the redwoods there I assume yeah, right, yeah yeah so this one goes along it's the Mendocino Coast 50k so it goes along the headlands oh, um, okay. so along the water and then into the redwoods for about 20 miles and oh. then along big river 10 miles to the finish so sure, yeah. it's absolutely gorgeous I just I loved the experience. It was such a big contrast to I mean the you know the crowd at the end is you know a fraction. It's like what oh. would be at an aid station yeah, at find an Ironman. Yeah, like are you anywhere you want. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, can we run out with him? Oh, well, you can yeah. run out if you want. Yeah, like you it's can like, do whatever you certainly, want. Certainly contrast from I don't know much about the triathlon world, but uh, just from you know what you see in the media and stuff. It seems yeah, like there's a lot going yeah. on. Yeah. All right. So college, you're running. You're doing cross country. What year is this? Like, when do you graduate from college? I graduated from, well, so I, I went a fifth year so I could get a geology degree, too. Nice. And so that was 2006. <laughs> I graduated. So that's the year that you won Leadville. Yeah, that summer. Yeah. yeah. So what was what was it like leading up to that? Or how did you um, how did you decide to do Leadville? To do Leadville. Uh, my assistant cross-country coach in college had run it. 10 years previous in 96 and everyone on the team always just kind of looked up to him as this sort of like grizzled vet you know he wasn't that old he's like in his 30s <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know he's just sort of like he that way. yeah when you're 18 20 <laughs> right. time on like, the trails <laughs> you know this, this guy paul coke and he'd run leadville and so he was just like our archetypal mountain runner you know it's so like oh you need to do leadville something he never said that he had a horrible time he didn't like it but like um in my back of my mind is like i want to run leadville someday but uh in 2005 a runner down in colorado springs this guy matt carpenter who's won the pikes peak ascent marathon like 20 times he was he was like an idol of mine in high school um he ran his first 100 miler and it was leadville and he broke the course record by like an hour and a half which is just totally nuts he just like completely raised the bar in the sport um so that like re put it back on my radar of sort of like oh man like i want to go run the level 100 uh so i did the next year and uh had you run 100 before no, uh -uh. no, no. i hadn't run a i hadn't run an ultra before oh um, perfect uh, i mean i'd run like i think maybe i'd run a 40 miler in training once um not for the training cycle for for the 100 but um just sort of out of curiosity like oh, could i run that far you know as so i ran for like five hours or something but, but uh, you were doing big mileage like you had done oh, big point, mileage I, at over that the point, years i'd done like i was already past my highest mileage period for sure like by 2006 i'd like stopped doing why well, I, I hadn't stopped doing 200 mile weeks but i'd gone through a period where i like obsessively did 200 miles a week for like three or four months at a time and um 
I'd already like got that out of my system kind of. Um, so yeah. So, so you had front loaded some serious like base hey, work. Yeah, yeah. like oh yeah, yeah. and I and I've been doing high mileage for at that point ten years. You know? Yeah. Um, so yeah. So tell us about the race. You sh- yeah, tell us about that experience as much as you can remember. Um, like, gosh, that's eleven years ago. It is eleven years that's ago. Crazy. Yeah, it's, it's totally wild. It's um, <laughs> it was just you know it's just a big exciting adventure. You're like I'm gonna go try and do something that. I don't know is possible for me. Like it doesn't doesn't seem possible. Three weeks before the race, I ran the first half of the course. It's an out and back. I ran 50 miles, and first time I'd ever run that far, like seven and a half hours. But I did it like course record pace, so that was like kind of exciting. But at that point, I was just like, there's no way that I could turn around and run back to town. You know, like how how am I supposed to double this distance right. in three weeks? You know, but it went well enough that it convinced me to sign up for the race. Yeah, on the day of the race, I totally went in planning on trying to win, and I wanted to break 17 hours. I ran 1701, <laughs> um, <laughs> but I won the race, and uh, I don't know. You just – I'd done a lot of running at that point in my life, so I kind of knew what I was capable of. And But the cool thing about 100 miles, and this is especially your first one, is that it is one of those things that just sounds totally outrageous and impossible that a human can cover that much ground and you know less than a day it goes back to kind of like curiosity and uncertainty and adventure i just wanted to see if i was capable of that you know were you surprised that you were able to finish it was it or was um it? i don't think no i mean okay. so here's the thing about at least this is my yeah approach about running 100 miles finishing 100 miles is, is you're on the starting line with doubts you're not going to finish because there's so many reasons to quit it's so uncomfortable for so long, you know? Like, so if you don't have your why you before you even if start. You don't have, yeah, if you don't have your, <laughs> you know, it's not even a why. You have to, at least for me, like, you just have to accept that it's irrational. You can't be, like, questioning your basic motive ever because the answer will always be will drop out because it's totally stupid and dumb. You know, it's just not, it's completely pointless. Um, so... Yeah, on the start line, I was 100% certain I was going to finish. Like, even if that meant walking the last, you know, 10 hours or something. Yeah, I didn't know, like, how I would respond after 50 miles, basically. You know? And that's kind of why you're there. So. But that's an uh, that's an unknown that, uh, that would keep a lot of people from, like, the unknown is really scary to people. For me, it's super exciting. For you, it's super exciting. Yeah. But what do you think it is that, that makes us say, and BJ included, like, let's walk into the unknown and like somebody who's maybe scared of it like do you have any assistance for them to of of like how to get to that other side like well the unknown we've been there so many times how can we quell their fears about what's there i think maybe the first time you do something unexpected uh it adds just like a level of richness to your life that wasn't there before and so it keeps you coming back of like looking for the next challenge and trying but i don't know i feel sort of at least partially hypocritical about it all because i'm terrified of death and why are you terrified of it because it's an unknown but you're tempting it all the time especially with the climbing that you've been doing i watched i watched a what was the movie we watched was like a 35 minute documentary and you're you're going up the high country first flat iron like yeah but that's not tempting death that's no you don't think so 
No. I wouldn't do it if I felt it was. No. Really? Yeah. I don't want to die. Because we haven't done it. So we've, yeah, no. Well, I, mean, see, I don't know that, what the steep but see, is. But that's the thing. Like, that's, yeah. And that's because it's an unknown to you, it seems. It's like, uh, I'm trying to make an analogy here. Uh, it comes down to, it's, yeah, it's a very high consequence thing, but it's not a high risk thing if you have the right skills. Does yeah. that make sense? You know, it's like if you don't know how to drive a car, you can easily like run it off the road at 60 miles an hour and kill yourself. But if you know how to drive a car, it seems very simple and easy and people do it all the time. And it, but it's actually hyper dangerous. And it's the same with so many something. But you have you you have to have experiences where you're you're having fear out there. Do you? Or yeah. How, yeah. So yeah. how so do you? I was scared yesterday. Climbing. Okay. So yeah, you're yeah. scared yesterday. You get terrified every time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, I was out of rope. But like it's still scary. Yeah. So how it's do just you, a very like yeah, so visceral how, response. What, what ha, like what's that process when, of letting it? Does it come like it presents itself and then what? Like do you let it pass? And then there's through? like a rush of adrenaline and your your whole body shaking and you get even more scared. I don't know. Like there's I hate it. I don't. I don't. I'm not an adrenaline at all. Like I don't know. I don't. I don't push towards fear or anything. It's just it's often a byproduct of things I do. But when it shows up, mm-hmm. how do you navigate it? Take a deep breath. Like, it's just like... Just kind of get present. Yeah, I, I guess. I don't even think of it that way. I think more just like focusing. I guess, yeah, probably staying present. Yeah, it's yeah. just... But that's also at the same time why you do those sorts of things, I guess. Because it forces you into the moment, you know? It's just, it clears away everything else. And, yeah. Um, but I don't find that... I don't know. That's... You're an interesting dude. Oh, okay. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I like this. I wasn't expecting you to say that, that you're so scared of death. Yeah, I don't know. It's just I think it's just I feel like I have a like a lot more to do and a then, lot more things to experience. You yeah, probably so. feel that for a reason because you do. Um, yeah, but I'm pretty young still. I, mean, yeah. I feel old. <laughs> you <laughs> I'm got still lots of time. How old are you? <laughs> uh, I'll be 34 in like a month. Oh, oh my gosh! Yeah. yeah. You got, yeah. Oh my goodness! You got. Yeah. <laughs> there's. W- <laughs> See, I feel that way about like 24 year olds. They're probably like, oh my. Well, God. we're we're 40 we're 45. Five. I'm 45. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, you're good. You're good. You got plenty of time. Yeah. yeah. Right. But I guess I mean. We have plenty of time, but really all we have is right now, right? All we really right. have is, is this moment. All right, let's go back to the level 20, 2006. So you okay. win it, mm-hmm. and, I mean, you kind of show up, and nobody really knows you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden, everybody knows you. Yeah. How was that? Well, you know, it's a pretty gradual thing, honestly. Because, you know, there's a couple magazine articles. You get, like, you know, a couple of people recognize you on the trails or something. or uh, Just because, I mean... Colorado is a pretty small community of runners and mountain runners, but it kind of just grows over time. I don't know. I think it probably really, I mean, cause you know, then I came back and won it a second time the next right. year. And so when you do something like that and, uh, and both times we're fast, uh, it just kind of catches the attention of the community a little bit, I suppose. And, um, and then, you know, ultra running really took off probably when born to run came out in 2009 um yeah and uh so the sport just blew up a lot then and i was at the head of the sport at the time so that was one of the best things that ever happened to my massage practice was that book because everybody (laughs) would go out and be like i ran like i was gonna go out and just run five miles barefoot and i did 10 i'm like okay first of all you should have done like a quarter of a mile and then see how you felt the next day But yeah, everybody was coming in with a big mess of a body from that book. That and um, the it, very, it, just, it really popularized the sport, though. You know? It did, like, for sure. And I just was, it was just I coincided with, uh, you know, 
I don't know. I just I was in the I was in the midst of it that time, you know. Well, for me, I was really struggling with running at the time. I literally bought a shirt that said "I love running," and yeah. I would wear that shirt every time I ran, and any time I would just have self doubt or negativity, <laughs> like I would look down at my shirt and I'd be like, "I love running, I love mm. running," and I wore that shirt every time I went for a run because I really wanted to change my mind about it because I really wanted to do it. And that so so what's that about though? Like if you if you're having to like convince yourself that you love it. I think it. I was trying to prove, I think back then I was really trying to prove myself and fit in and I wanted to be more than what I was. I wanted to be faster. I didn't want to hmm. be injured. I wanted to run like, like my husband ran, you know, it was just yeah, a natural yeah, yeah. runner and I didn't have those things. And so for me, it was like, I was trying to force an issue, sure. but then also I was like, what if I stepped out of this negativity and adopted a more positive attitude and what what would that do so there was some curiosity there of like can I change my mind hmm. and over time like I really I really wanted to give myself a shot so like choosing to love it was the positive then yes yeah, yeah. and what happened was I would like have a mantra in my head like anytime I would think like oh, I'm such a crappy runner I would say you're a good runner like why can't you be like when Craig Alexander you know big triathlon guy would like whip by me on the on the trail why like can't why there's he's no different than you like you mm. can you can run too you can be smooth you can feel good in your body and yeah. and once I started to shift that because at, over time and time and time like I started to create a new belief about it yeah. I had less injuries I got faster hmm. and I really started to enjoy it so that book came out and I got it on audio. Born what, to Run. Yeah, Born yeah, okay. to Run. And what that did was it, it, for whatever reason, served as the, like, the conduit for me to lift pressure off and say, just don't try and run like BJ. Don't try and run like Tony. Don't try and run like Craig Alexander. Just try and run like Jess hmm. and see if you can fall into a natural step. Yeah, yeah. And, that, and that, that's what that book did for me. And it's really that's funny. I I wouldn't have taken that from that book. What did you take from the book? I don't want to get into that. <laughs> I'll just be negative about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I doubt I doubt Chris will listen to the podcast, but I just I didn't think it was a very good book. But no. Yeah. Well, it's it's interesting because we all have. But I'm just too I'm just too close to all the characters in the book. Yeah. And see, I don't know you those know people. You know more than, than yeah. Than, and I just I yeah. just. But think, here's the cool thing: we all have our own perspective. Exactly, and it's like don't feel bad about taking something positive from that book, right you know right. <laughs> like, that's a good thing yeah i'm the cynical asshole you know <laughs> like <laughs> but um, you're not though it's just your perspective it doesn't yeah, make it exactly. right or wrong yeah. it's my perspective it doesn't make it right or wrong but it makes it true for me and true for you sure sure right yeah. if we can kind of look at like everybody's got their own perspective that's what makes us unique yeah um for me it just kind of allows me to kind of handle the world a little better like oh that's just they're exercising perspective yeah so look i mean that. what was it about what was it about that book that got you excited or like that shifted your mind um it was um i feel like that you're interviewing me i like this this is well fun. i'm just curious <laughs> flipping <laughs> it around <laughs> this idea of i mean really in its essence that um, that our bodies were born to run. Oh, okay. And yeah, that, so the central premise, basically. And yeah. that I could just go, and I remembered as a kid going out and just running in the in the yard with my brother and playing and not having shoes on or having shoes on, but okay. not caring either way. Yeah. And so not carrying this big, big deal with me every time I went. That's, I don't know, that's a great thing to take from the book. Yeah, because I think it, that is true. Yeah. Yeah. So that's... It could have been presented differently, but yeah, it was, that's, I think I believe in that. Yeah. All right. Well, you're a writer, right? 
And, I don't know how do you define writing. <laughs> I know how to write words. <laughs> any potential Speaking for <laughs> um, any potential for a book or any any interest in uh, pursuing yeah, that? Yeah, I some think point? I have an interest in writing yeah. a book at some point. Um, my stock answer to that has been if I have something worth right. f- until I Same. do something worth writing about, mm-hmm. then I'll. But um, I I believe less and less that you need to actually do something worth writing about. People can still have things to say just because they have a perspective in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know, like writing a book takes a lot of time and energy and focus and you'd have to like put everything else in your life on hold. And I feel like I'm still kind of in my physical prime and I want to like be trying to do what I can with that mm-hmm. while I can. You know, so maybe in like five years when I'm irrelevant, I'll write a book. You're still I, gathering content right now. No, that's exactly. <laughs> well, I think yeah, you're yeah. right on with that because to, like, I mean, and, and it seems that somebody like you, like you're not going to half-ass it. Like you're gonna you're gonna dive into it, like you uh, do with most things. Yeah, I but would. It, I, if I, if my name is on it, a I want to have written it, and b I want to feel good about it. Yeah. 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 Uh, there's no way I would let it be published if I felt shitty about it. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. All right. So, um, I just wanted to, yeah. the second, so you came back for the second Leadville. What was that like? So that was, was it- much different. Um, I was, I kind of knew what I was in for and I, I ran a lot faster and, um, it was really easy. It's one of the best races I've ever run. It was just like everything clicked and no, no, no definitely not. Yeah. But it was just like, I was just really fit and, I remember I was just talking, I have a friend who's, Leadville will be her first hundred here, you know, like six weeks or whatever. And um, I was telling her about how 20 miles into Leadville in 2007, I like wanted to drop out because I was just bored basically. I just, I just, I'd run the course so much that yeah. summer and like I was already in the lead by several minutes and you know, I'd win by three and a half hours that year. And um, it was the second fastest time on the course until still the third fastest time on the course um but yeah i just uh most i was just really fit and didn't have a low patch mm-hmm. so yeah it wasn't it was by no means a perfect race but like it was just if you don't if you just have an even race in 100 miles that's as close to perfect as it comes you know if you can get by without having a serious low patch yeah, yeah it's you're solid. lucky because you almost always have some really low patch so. And then what happened the following year? Did you not? Uh, what was that? It would be 2008. I was injured. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 2009, I dropped out at 80 miles. 2010, I dropped out at 82 miles. Um, what was 2011? Oh, broken leg. And then 2012, I was fourth. Okay. Yeah. So you come off the 2006, 2007 win, and then do injuries, injuries start to come in? Uh, I mean, I've been injured since I was 14 years old. Really? I got my first stress fracture when I was 14. Yeah. It's just those other years, I don't know, I just finessed it enough. And it was, I mean, mm-hmm. the year that I, in 2007, I had six weeks of training leading up to that race. But I ran over 200 miles each of those weeks, so. <laughs> just like cramming in. Uh, uh, that's, not true. that's not true. The first week was like 135, and then it was 200 for five weeks straight. Oh, um, my God. And then like a five-day taper, and then 16-14 at Leadville. Yeah. <laughs> that's um, what, that was your time, 16-14? Yeah, yeah. Holy crap. Wow. <laughs> okay. And then I ran five miles the next day. It was just like I was totally psyched. Like, oh I was just like running four hours a day every day, you know. <laughs> but so you were, but you knew that course so well. You said you trained on it a lot. Is that something mm-hmm. that you do, like just this repetition of no, courses? Um, or it's just well, Leadville is like you know it's two hours from the Front Range. I was living in the Springs at the time. 
Um, yeah, I I was up there most weekends that summer. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd put in a lot of time on the course, but it's like that's not something that's not necessary to do well in a race. Um, and I don't even know if it's like a good thing, like because of that. Like mm-hmm. I got to like twenty miles, and I'm just like. I was just like uninspired. I was just like, mm. well, I just feel like I'm out for another run and this is sort of boring, you know? Yeah. Um, you see, you want it to be like, and that's kind of why level is so cool. There is a lot of hype around it. Like there's like a lot of people at aid stations and it feels like a big event, you know? Yeah. Um, which turns off a lot of people, but I like having that external sort of energy in a hundred mile race because man, you need some extra energy because hundred miles is a long way. Yeah. I'm kind <laughs> of at the place where you were talking about like hundred miles. It's like, I can't, Imagine mm. running a hundred miles. Yeah, but you could totally do it. Like I'm sure I know I could totally do it. Yeah. I just I'm just kind of I'm kind of waiting to see whatever this progression is. So I'm doing. Yeah, and that's really what it is. It's just like all these steps you take, and then it becomes doable in your mind. And every time, like the next time you do a 50k, it'll be so much easier than the first. Oh, time. good. I'm doing yeah. one in October. Yeah, and like it's just like your head will be into it, and like and um. I mean, 100 miles is, like, hard every time, but, like, you know, you go in with less doubt each time. Yeah. So. Yeah. I don't know. I like the unknown. What were you going to say? I was just going to say, we were at the 50-mile. We helped support a friend at, at Leadville when you were at the 50-mile mm, turnaround the silver, spot, oh, and it okay. was, like, packed. Like, I mean, yeah, like, field, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Crazy, it, yeah. Wasn't, it, wasn't, it was pretty crazy. What year? That was 2010. 2009 2009 uh, yeah um and it's hot that year and our was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and our friend um he ended up mm, dropping out at the halfway point okay. but then you know there's all these kind of that happens there right yeah. and so there's all these kind of pacers kind of hanging out and then like yeah i mean you that's know, where you pick up your pacer exactly yeah. yeah and but then there was like hey i need a pacer i need a pacer like people were picking up new pacers and bj got tell them about the guy that you got hooked up with so i was supposed to pace my buddy and then he didn't he didn't finish but then this other guy came in and he needed a pacer from Michigan and he had been oh, oh the guy who was racing was yeah Michigan. from okay, Michigan yeah. and he had been training I got to know him I went over a whole pass with him and he's yeah. like training at sea level <laughs> he did not look like a runner at all just this normal which yeah, they don't really do it, just normal like guy banker just marching over the pass <laughs> you know, like. he might have been a banker <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he was getting it done yeah he was getting no, it so rad. I done think, I think and that I love so that cool. experience yeah, like, yeah. Like, like he's from Michigan he's like I'm gonna go to Thirteen thousand feet. Exactly. Yeah, he killed it. Like he did. You, pay, he you paced him. You paced him to what? Um, Just the, the ten miles up over, oh, over the, Twin to the Lakes. Next. Twin, Twin Lakes. Lakes. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. Yeah, that was super fun experience. So I don't know. Maybe maybe, maybe we'll be yeah. there someday. How is running like? Change like has it changed for you? Your perspective now that you have so many years under your belt and mm-hmm. you know you're yeah, getting it's shifted, older. It's a lot. Yeah, yeah. How has it shifted? Well, first, I mean, I've gotten injured a lot lately, uh, just like consistently, like no, no times of health in between the injuries, you know? Mm. Um, and that just has like a, a wearing effect on your psyche, at least for me. It's just like, it's just like, God, I need to like have other sources of joy in my life, you know? And um, so there's that. And then yeah, after so many years in the sport and being around the sport, for me at least there's sort of an undeniable kind of like cynicism combined with being injured you know there's like some bitterness a little bit and like <laughs> and that's all like that all sounds super negative but the thing is anytime that i am able to run consistently like it's just it's such a like nourishing activity it's so pure and simple and easy and portable and uh 
time effective and <laughs> do you feel like your gratitude is like acute like yeah 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 it is it is because i mean I, I used to just like be so much redundancy in my life you know when you're running 200 miles like 30 hours a week it's like it's just another like 15 mile run you know as you're doing every single day and and so now when i'm able to go run for 15 miles i'm like super psyched about it um so yeah that's inevitable but but what's the other and but you've gotten into some other stuff too like uh yeah climbing so, yeah so basically because running has become so yeah. unsustainable for me um i've had to like find or i've had time to do other things that i've been interested in over the years um like my bike got stolen in 2006 you know and so like you know, I was running 200 miles a week then because I wasn't, Cause you didn't have your bike. wasn't doing any biking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I got into rock climbing my freshman, like first month freshman year on campus uh, at CC, but I was always running so much. It just, yeah. It just took a back seat. Yeah, basically. it totally took yeah. a back seat. Um, and then same thing. Like, you know, I tried skiing some my freshman year. Um, I really turned off by resorts. And so then this time around, I took to it more for like, cross training purposes mm-hmm. um you know i went the total like alpine touring backcountry skiing route instead and um yeah and it's over the years it's just like has become this thing of well the thing that really gets me excited is being out in the natural world being in the mountains and that kind of thing and these are all just modes of doing that um running has always been the foundation um it certainly made the most sense growing up in nebraska <laughs> um <laughs> but uh yeah, these other things I find nearly as, well, certainly as interesting and rewarding and enriching as running is, yeah. Yeah, and just staying curious about different ways that you can move your body. Yeah, exactly. And and, and that's, and definitely using your body is obviously the other thing that unites all these things. And that's an important thing for me, like being functional and, and capable in the world, you know, with my physical being and, uh, yeah, I just think that, especially in modern society where everything is so mechanized and and we spend so much of our lives trying to like create this cocoon of comfort, um, I think it's important to like shirk that and you know do something that's uncomfortable. Um, that's a super privi- privileged position to have, but like, yeah, I'm a financially stable middle-aged dude, so. You're not living in the first world. I know. Yeah, you no, think but, you're but, there's plenty of people in their thirties who are, have a lot more responsibilities than yeah. I do. You know, and yeah. and that's I totally respect that. Um, but and something I strive for, honestly, at some point. But um, yeah, just challenging yourself and and doing things that aren't familiar or comfortable is I don't know the only way I know to grow as a person. So. How do you think people get comfortable with that uncomfortableness or how do you personally Mm. chart those, that territory? It's repetition. (laughs) Keep putting yourself out there. An example is um, pretty much anytime you go into the high country in the wintertime, it's going to be really uncomfortable. Mm. (laughs) Wind's blowing, (laughs) everything's cold, but like you just get used to it. I don't know. You just don't, I don't know. It's never, it's never any less like rewarding at the end of the day to come back from something like that but it does become easier to be out there you know just from doing it a lot did know. you feel like 100 milers got easier to be out there because uh, of the repetition i mean there were some that were 
easier than others, but I don't know. They're always pretty hard for me. I hope to do more for sure. Was that kind of your distance or did you like 50 no. milers? What was your favorite distance? Probably in the 100K range. Yeah. Um, because 100 miles, it's becoming more and more where you really have to be like a runner and be fit to be competitive at it. But there's just so many other like X factors involved. You know, your stomach, the weather, running at night, yeah, fueling, like the condition of your feet, all this stuff. Like it's just basically how tough you are. Like these things are all not fitness, um, but they're all hugely determining factors in racing well at 100 miles. Uh, so for me, like 100K, a lot of those factors are kind of taken away. Like you can kind of, you can get through 100K, say 12 to 15 hours of racing at most, um, about 12 hours with like poor nutrition. Uh, like you can, you can survive through 12 hours with your stomach going bad, but you can't in a hundred mile. Like you can get to like 75 miles of like, but you're not gonna make it that last quarter if like your stomach's just, if you're not able to absorb any calories, you know? So I don't know. That's why I was always a little more excited about those distances. Cause it was more of a like running test than you know fitness test than just nutrition like, comes in yeah nutrition and just all the other yeah. factors of like yeah so yeah what have you learned about yourself like what was <clears throat> do you have a takeaway moment through your experience whatever activity you're doing where you've really learned something about yourself um I'm sorry, I, I didn't really, the first, like, what like what have I learned, or? Yeah, like, what have you oh, learned about yourself? Mm. And it could be with your climbing, or your cycling, or yeah, running. Yeah, take your time. Um, what comes to your mind? Like, an experience, maybe, that you can share. Maybe maybe you don't want to share it. I don't know. I mean, the, <laughs> I don't know, that's a hard question. Yeah, because I feel like if you've actually learned it, it just becomes so endemic. And so it's hard to have perspective on you know like something that's become a part of you you know what i mean is there a moment of adversity that you recall that really put you to the test i mean every race there's a turning point where you just decide that you're like going to be tough and like finish and run hard run well and as opposed to like come up with a reason to like back off you know what um, do you think that is about you that Oh, I mean, I've, I've, I've rationalized bullshit in the past for sure. Like it doesn't, you're not, you're not perfectly tough. Every, at least I'm not perfectly tough every single time. There are some people who are pretty close to it, but I'm not one of those people. Like I have to like choose to be tough, <laughs> you know, and when, when push comes to shove and, and you know, probably most people do, but, um, I don't know. I just, it's deciding that there's value in that, you know, that it's not just some like macho ego thing, but that it's like, it comes back to that kind of comfort zone thing of like, well, this is the edge and you're going to find out, you know, and, and do you want to be proud of yourself at the end of the day? Or do you want to like ignore that part of yourself that you feel like was being weak and looking for the easy way out, you know? And, and, uh, I don't know, I guess in my life I value not just taking the easy way, which I'm not saying that that's universally objectively good thing, you know, like this fine comfort's fine, but it's not for me. I don't know. <laughs> I think you answered that perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I want to respect your time. So I think cool. that that's a great place to end. All right. Yeah. Thanks thank for you me on. so yeah, much. Thank you, I appreciate, appreciate it. it. What are you getting up early for tomorrow? Oh, climbing. <laughs> <laughs>
Tony Krupichka, interesting dude, right? He's done some amazing things in the sport of running and climbing and general adventuring in life. And I will patiently wait for that book to come when it's time for him to write it. But for now, I am totally into following his pursuits and wishing him nothing less than total body healing from the injuries that keep him from doing what he loves the most, running. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. If you enjoyed it, please go to Apple Podcast, otherwise known as iTunes, and leave us a review. We have a goal of 100 reviews by the end of August, and as of today, we need 80 more to reach that goal. With the amount of listens we get every week, this is an easy one to reach, but we can't do it without you. So we are asking for a few moments of your time to give back to the show and leave your review. A heartfelt thank you to everyone who has already typed a few sentences on our behalf. It helps so much with our ranking and also has a major, major impact on the life of this show. We got great feedback from last week's Iron Man Santa Rosa Square Table Smackdown. So if you haven't had a listen, go back and do that. But before you even do that, you have to listen to Troy RGC from episode 63 and then go on to the Santa Rosa episode because not only do we have two returning guests on that show, but Troy comes back for a second week in a row. Our listeners are quickly falling in love with this talented triathlete from Mexico who has risked it all to come to America and train for the sport that brings him the most joy in life. Awesome, awesome dude, you guys. Awesome episodes, awesome guests. We are so grateful to Tony Krupichka, to Troy, to all of our guests who co-create each episode with us for you. One more note, and then I will bid you adieu for the week. If you haven't, please check out our Patreon page. We've started building out that page more with postings, and we will continue to do that. As a special thank you to our pledges, we will also be leaking a recipe or two from the cookbook and or segments from its chapters. So if you want to get a serious look inside of our cookbook, which is publishing soon, we are in the design phase now, so I'm hoping September, then go to Patreon, make your monthly pledge, and take one step deeper into the tribe. This is a powerful community of people who want to help create a better world, and we are so honored to have you in our lives. Stay curious about the moment in front of you, the endless exploration available just outside your door, and the limitless potential that lies within each one of us, patiently waiting for our return. <laughs>